to right field, way up there, and way out of here! Second deck walk-off home run! Grand slam, Bryce Harper! This is Basin Ball 4. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Base Hit Ball 4 podcast. My name is Glenn DeNegris, alongside, as always, Scott Roswald, Alex Cashman, and Tyler Blumenstick. Another big week in Major League Baseball. A lot of uh, news coming around about the upcoming postseason. The Mets got sold. The Phillies and Marlins battled it out for a historic seven-game series. And since the Yankees, since we trashed them last week, they've gone on to win uh, five in a row and are trouncing the Blue Jays as we speak. But I think we're going to start with the news that came out today, and that's the playoff bubble situation and announcement that Major League Baseball had. So basically the wild card series is going to be three games in the higher seeds ballpark. And then after that, they're going to move to San Diego and Los Angeles in the American League. And um, I believe it's Houston and Arlington in the National League. But the really big kind of – thing that's really different than prior pro seasons is that the ALDS and ALCS are going to go straight through. So no off days. So we had this conversation in the group chat earlier today about what that means for these teams. And Aaron Boone made a comment before the game today saying, listen, we didn't know until late last week that this was going to be a thing. And that kind of, that kind of messes everything up in terms of what they could have done at the trade deadline. So now if the Yankees make it to the ALDS and ALCS, they're going to blow through their starting pitching. They're going to blow through their bullpen. And from a positive standpoint, you can say, listen, this is how, you know, baseball works during the regular season. You use all 25 guys and you don't concede it down to the best 15 guys during the playoffs. And then from a negative standpoint, you can say, listen, a lot of teams don't have this kind of depth to handle that kind of thing. So what do you guys think about this new playoff system? Well, I'll start because um, I mentioned in the group chat before, there's no travel. So what's the difference? And Tyler, you know, kind of said what you just said about the starting pitchers and whatnot. Um, so I had changed my mind and I changed my mind again. I, for this season, I like it. And here's why uh, Michael K had mentioned, you know, kind of a little bit about, the uh, playoff format and how these guys are going to be in a bubble um, and not allowed to leave the hotel. They are on lockdown. There's guards outside the hotel. You can't leave unless you're going to the ballpark. Um, what are you going to do on an off day? You can't leave the hotel. It's not good on these guys' mental health. I mean, that's literally horrifying. You know, the NBA bubble is a little different. You know, they made their own little village. You know, they can leave the hotel. They can go outside. There's a pool. There's fishing. There's golf. You know, they could – pretty much live their life on a smaller scale, but these guys can't leave their hotel rooms. Um, so that's tough. And if you're in, um, if you make it to the world series, it's like a month and a half of isolation. So that's tough. Um, and the other reason I like it is because, you know, for us as Yankee fans, it might be a little hard because, you know, we can't get that three man rotation, but we're not the only team in that boat. I mean, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's, uh, everyone's going to be, uh, pitching five guys. So um, I, I like it for this season. Obviously, you know, nothing about this season has been ideal, but I do like it for this year. Yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting concept. Um, I, I like your points there, Cash, with the what are you going to do at the if you're just stuck at your hotel room. 
obviously things are different in the NBA since they're at Walt Disney World. They have all that space to kind of work around. Um, I, I just don't understand what the rush is. Like why you need to – they feel that they need to cram it all together. Um, well, I mean, I think part of it is that they want to end this season in a normal time. And when you have 400 teams in the playoffs, it, it could take a long time. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not just the starting pitchers that need the rest. It's going to be the bullpens, too. Like, those guys are going to be even more taxed, I think, than the starting pitchers. Like, it's going to be a normal thing for the starters. I think it's going to be more of an issue for for bullpen arms. I think you're 100% right, Scott. So, from a Yankees standpoint, if they make it to the ALDS and they have to use Britain – Green and Chapman in games one, two, and three, and now in game four, you can't use those guys. It's unheard of now in today's modern baseball to use their bullpen guys four days in a row, and you don't have that off day to kind of like reset. Also for the Yankees, they're just getting Judge and Stanton back, and they're are they built up to play seven, eight, nine games in a row? Is Aaron Boone gonna give his team days off in the playoffs? Knowing him, I'm sure you will. It, 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 I think it's just, I think it's a tough thing to pull off. And I don't understand why it's that way for the ALDS or the LDS and the LCS, but the World Series, it goes back to the normal two days off day, three games off day, then the next two off day, and then the next two. I don't, I don't know why just for the LDS and LCS that it just goes straight through. I think, I think you're going to be relying on these, you know, elimination games with your fourth and fifth starter. And that's, that, that's not ideal because, you know, the Yankees spent a lot of money on Garrett Cole to pitches to pitching games in six and seven. And they, the Dodgers spent a lot of money on Kershaw to pitch game six and seven. And the Padres acquired Clevenger to pitch that game six and seven. Now with these no off days, you're going to get them from games one and maybe three days rest on game five. And then six and seven is going to be an opener or your three or four or five starter. Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, Glenn, but again, nothing about this season's normal. I mean, yeah. they're going to have to make changes and, you know, maybe you get creative. Maybe you don't pitch game. You don't pitch Cole in game one. You know, maybe you wait it out. Maybe you play it by ear and see what the series is. Maybe, um, I don't know. I don't know, but I, it, it sucks. And, but not, like I said, nothing about this is normal and, you got to roll with the punches a little bit. I think it's better this way, on my honest opinion. I think that everyone wants to get this over with. Um, it's been a really horrible year for not just sports, but for everything, for not just baseball, for every sport. And the sooner, in my opinion, this could be over, the sooner we can move on to next season. Tyler, what do you got? I'm just really looking at it from more of a pitcher standpoint, and we covered that already. Um, it's just difficult when – like people forget that I don't think a lot of people, cause I think it's pretty widely known, but people forget that the off days aren't the only reason or travel is not the only reason for an off day on a normal season and going forward. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's evident that it's going to affect both having the back end of the starting rotation have to pitch. And what Scott said, it's a real concern for the bullpen. So yeah, I'd, I don't know. It's going to be weird to see how it plays out. And I'm, you're really going to need a deep bullpen. Like it's actually going to test you a lot this year. Well, but the other thing is that every team's in the same boat. 
You know, it's not like some teams get the offense, some teams don't. Everyone in the same boat. So it's different. I, I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's different. Yeah, it's but I guess back different. to like back to the main question that we kind of brought up in the group chat of like, would the Yankees have gone out and made more moves if they if they knew about this and kind of what was going to happen? Because a team that is kind of, I mean, when the trade deadline happened, it was perceived that the Yankees were going to make it for sure. Um, then they kind of went on their slide. Now they're in the position they're in now. But if you didn't know that you were as comfortable as you if you knew that it was going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than what you're familiar with based off past seasons, I feel like teams that are shoo-in for the playoffs or were seen as a shoo-in, kind of like the Dodgers or the Yankees or the powerhouse teams, I think they probably would have wanted to make moves there. So I think not only a starting pitcher, I think they would have seriously looked at a bullpen piece if you're the Yankees. I agree. With the idea yeah. of you can't, you can't put Chapman or Britton or Green or really anyone in on that fourth straight day. And that fourth game might be the difference between moving on and going home. And I think had MLB announced back in July that, hey, the playoff schedule is going to be this way, then the Yankees and all the other teams would have been like, okay, so we need to prepare to play um, five, seven, 12 straight playoff games. I think, I think that is something that MLB should have probably done. Uh, this whole time with MLB, this whole season, it's almost felt like they've kind of made everything up as it's gone along. Um, all of their policies, they decide, I, I feel like every week there's a new policy. And I think this is a very like significant rule change that we're just finding out about two weeks before the playoffs. So now all these you know, general managers and owners and player operations folks in the front office for all these teams have to scramble and really think about who is best to make it to the postseason roster based on the amount of games you have to play. Because not only affects the bullpen, it not only affects the starting pitching. You now you have to be stingy with who your bench players are. Are you gonna carry that guy that's just there to steal a base, or are you gonna get someone who can like hit a home run in a pinch hit situation? Like all these things matter. If somebody goes down because they can't play every single game in a series, then you need a competent backup. You need a competent backup for. Um, a Stanton or a judge if they can't go if they're not built up consecutively um, instead of carrying maybe a third catcher you'd have to carry the extra outfielder so all these things are just this chain reaction of a decision that was made two weeks before the playoffs started and I think that's the biggest problem I have with it they didn't announce this in July when they could have very easily done so I have a hard time believing that the MLB didn't say anything to the teams I really well, do that's what Boone said Boone came out and said we had no idea until late last week Yeah, I, I wonder if more I, people I are going to come out and speak on it. I don't know. I mean, late last week, why why didn't why wasn't anything said late last week then? If they were told I, late last just, week, not not everything's announced to the public immediately. I that's my point. I have a hard time believing. I, I, there's no way they're making a rule change in the middle of the season, Glenn. And if that's the case, Manfred should lose his job. They they made a, they made a rule change an hour into the season. The Yankees Nationals game started. We were an hour into that game when they made the I announcement agree. that they and were expanding the playoffs. That's bad on its on itself, but there's no way two weeks before the playoffs. But do you I, would you be surprised though if they just came up with it like late last week? The way they've done things this year? I mean, yes and no. Like no, I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, they're a professional 
league. There's no – I cannot see that happening. I mean, they I haven't really acted can't. like it. They haven't acted like it all year, dating back to the negotiations. I, it's just very curious to me that it's just coming out now. That's my point. Yeah. And I, I feel like they decided know. last week. I don't know. They definitely didn't decide before the trade deadline. That's evident by the lack of trades that, you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers made to not sure up their bullpen or their starting pitching. I don't know. So we'll move. Actually, we're going to stay in the postseason because something else that they announced. Texas for the World Series is hoping that there would be 25% capacity for the World Series. Do you think that it's worth it? Because, you know, in the Super Bowl, everybody loves football. Everybody knows all these teams. A neutral site World Series with fans, like how does that work? Are they hoping that the two teams that are representing the American League and National League, do they hope like those fan bases travel in the midst of a pandemic to Arlington to watch the games? Are they hoping it's just Texas natives? What, what, what do you think their goal is in a season where there hasn't been a single fan the entire year to now in the World Series, boom, let's do 25% in a pandemic? I mean, it, it's absolutely a money grab, but um... – I don't. I don't see the point. Why? Why risk bringing in people that could jeopardize the, you know, the whole bubble? That's the whole point of the bubble is to put yeah. these players in one spot where they can't get exposed. They can't go anywhere. If you're gonna have fans, just make it the families of families and friends of the teams that are in there. Like invite people, more people from the organization to come to the World Series. Like I can f- see that being acceptable, but having Joe Schmo from down the street in Dallas, you know, drive over to the, the World Series, I don't see the point in that. Yeah, it, it really doesn't make sense to me because as we've just like kind of laid out, they're gonna have their guys, their players locked up in a hotel for like Cash said, a month and a half, and then all of a sudden, the two teams that make the World Series, they're going into this ballpark. And 25% of a 50,000, I'm not good at math. Tyler's the accountant on this. What, what is that, Tyler? You're the accountant here. What are we What's doing? 25%, 25% of 50,000? 25% of 50,000. Like 12 and a half. I was say 12,000 people, right? Yeah, that was dead on. That was perfectly accurate. 12,000 people, you're not knowing where these 12,000 people are coming from. You have no idea where they're coming from. And yeah, now you're going to bring them with the, the bar park. No, but they're in the vicinity. You don't know. We, we're not sure. Make, I don't you're outside. If you if you watch the NFL games, no, this it's not outside. It's in a dome. I mean, the dome yeah, could be open, yeah, but, but like it's it's, it's open air. You're, it's not a confined room, is the thing. Like, it's not. I, like I, it's not. But you're gonna lock players in a hotel. You're gonna lock players in a hotel with bodyguards at the front door of this hotel, and then let twelve thousand people into these games. I 100 percent agree with Glenn. I think that's a problem. I don't see a problem with it. It's it's not it's an open air system in that stadium. And again, bring in fans now if it's not a problem. Yeah, why why can't you stadium have fans? Now? Well, it's on a case by case basis. You see in the NFL, why have why have a, why the have a had fans? I'm sure the Royals could have fans if they wanted to. I think you just gotta you gotta but, I, I think you gotta ride with what we've done this year. How much how much money are they gonna get? I don't think it's a money thing. That's series. the problem. I, I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's about getting teams, getting fans back into the stadiums to watch these teams play. 
because and I think that's important. I think that's important, especially when we get closer to April when the next season starts. But hockey's not going to have fans at their Stanley Cup finals. Well, and the, the NBA is not going to have their NBA finals have fans. Why? Why is baseball think they can have have fans? Well, the but baseball has been the one sport that has had problems with teams contracting this. I, I, yeah, I mean, I get that. It's not really a pro- – I wouldn't say a problem. It was within two teams there was an outbreak, and then – Yeah, but they lost a lot of games for it. Yeah, but they're going to get them made up. And That's we haven't had point. any issues in the last month. I don't know. Just going off the money thing, like, I think there's a, a difference. There's a margin that you have to pretty much cover when you're operating a stadium for fans. Like, you're going to have to put employees there. Um, I can't imagine they're not going to sell food. So there's like a break-even point, and there's a chance that the tickets don't even offset the cost of what it's going to be like to run. There's no chance that game. There's no way they're it's opening. Not the, even a money thing for them. There's no That's way they're the opening the. There's, there's no way they're opening the gates to lose money. They're going to try and recoup as much money as possible. It's not. Gonna no, be a lot, I, I don't deny that. They're going to try and recoup something. Of course, but I, what I'm saying is, it's it's not a money grab if it costs you more money to run the game than you're taking back. There's, in. but that's what I'm saying. There's no way they're gonna. If that was the case, there's no way they're opening the gates. They're you not gonna know. You don't know that. You don't know if people are gonna be comfortable getting food. You assume if somebody's comfortable going to a game, they're probably comfortable enough to go walk up to a stand and get food. But it, it's when you're playing with 25% capacity, you're playing with fire there because you might open up the wrong amount of food stands at least to begin with like you don't i don't know I, I just feel like there's not that much money to be made at 25 percent capacity to the point then where you, that sh- then you shouldn't do it yeah. then you shouldn't do it at all they shouldn't be doing it but but they, at what point do you just let people make a decision for themselves That's, i think and everyone I th- should I, I think you start next i think next year is the date when you got to start i think you just wash out the, the the gate attendance this year including the world series listen nobody would rather be at games than me you know i watched the giants home game on tv for the first time in 10 years and it killed me but well if if you were allowed to go to a yankee game this year right now say tomorrow the yankees opened yes, up you were allowed to go i would go i would go but that's go not my point my point is that the these guys are being locked in a hotel so they can't contract the virus, then you're letting people in the stadium. You know, my but at work- 25% capacity, you can block off the whole lower section, and the players are not going to approach people and want to compromise the bubble. There's not going to be autographs being exchanged. You're not going to get that close to the players to the point where I don't think it compromises like the integrity and the point of the bubble itself. But it's not about that. It's the point where MLB is doing everything they can to not spread this virus, and opening the gates is the opposite effect. Not just to yeah. the players, because it's not all about the players. It's about the other people inside the stadium, because the owners go to the stadium. Uh, the general managers are in the ballpark. That's the thing, but nobody's being forced to go to these games, is what I'm saying. Okay. Like, if you're opening it up, and if, if there are people out there, and there are definitely groups of people that would absolutely want to go to a Yankee game tomorrow, or go to a baseball game tomorrow, and then there's a group of people that said, you know what, I'm still a little afraid of what's going on, and I probably would not show up to a baseball game you're not gonna you can't force the people that don't want to go to a game to go is what i'm saying like am i making sense no you're making sense you're making sense of what you're saying and i told i understand what you're saying that it's not a forced issue but my point is that major league baseball is just saying right now that we don't care about anyone else's health other than the players right because they're true though no but but i'm saying this is what it looks like tyler you can't open that you've You've gone the whole season with no fans, and now you're going to open the gates just for one series? Why? 
Because if, if, if it was safe enough to open this gates for the entire season, then they would do that. If it was safe enough to open the gates at all, then it would be open right now because that's obviously what every owner wants, right, to bring in the revenue. But the, Listen, I work the for NFL a team is we, doing it is what I'm saying. Is like, the NFL is not doing it. Two teams did it. That's it. But there are teams out there that are doing it. And, and Those are also much bigger stadiums. Those are 100,000 people. Yeah, but we're, we're told six feet is the – if you look how far these people are separated group by group, it's no different than going to a park just because you're enclosed by a stadium. Also, I think there's two main differences. Cash, I'm going to give you the floor in one second, but I just want to make my point. I think there's two main differences between what MLB is trying to do and what the NFL is doing. NFL won much, much, much bigger stadiums, not only in terms of capacity, but just the way it's they're, they're But built. when you're talking a percentage of in 25%, the, the stadium is still 25% full. No, I, un- I, under- I, I understand that, but you know, there's much more opportunity in a stadium like that to socially distance than a little tiny baseball stadium. Right, Two, oh, it's ahead, the beginning of their season, so it's not like it's they're just showing up week 15 and there's fans. It's a big difference. That baseball has had the last three months having no fans in their stadium and still having teams that have had their schedules affected by the virus. And now in the World Series, when there's only at max seven games left in the entire season, now you're going to flood in 12,000 people per game. I, I, I don't think that makes sense. All right, so here's the last thing I want to say on this, and then uh, it's just a mute point. So we operated this season on partial capacity, a little less than 25%, meaning the minors, right? So we did this, okay? Obviously, it's a much smaller scale. We don't have as many people. We can't fit that many people. Fine. But my point is, going into it, we knew what it took, and it's not as easy as just opening the gates. You know, because if you're going to open, especially if you're going to open the gates for 12,000 people, okay, you need to clean thoroughly that stadium overnight. And I just don't think that it's worth the risk. Now, me personally, I would go. All right. I don't care. Not that I don't care, but you wear a mask, you stay social distant. I would go. I did it all season with the minors. However, I don't think it's worth the risk for one series, especially if it's not even the home ballpark. We're going to have Ranger fans coming to Yankee games. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, God forbid it's the Astros, then people are going to hike up to Houston, and that's, that opens another can of worms over a home field advantage that shouldn't be. That's supposed to be neutral. Right. So I just personally do not think it's worth any risk. You know, you've done this all season, and like what Glenn said, it's week one for the NFL. They've been doing this from the get-go. They decided – okay, we're going to do this for this season. But the MLB truly has done nothing right this year. Not, not, nothing they've done has been a good job from the get-go. So to do this, they got to sit back and think, wow, that's, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. You're telling me that players can't uh, celebrate with each other with alcohol, but you're going to let 12,000 people in? Granted, it's a little, it's a yeah, little it's different. It's a little different. Because- it's a lot a bit different, I would say. But, but the point is that the players aren't allowed to do anything. They can't leave the hotel room. They can't celebrate, but you're going to let people into the stadium? And there's a big fight about whether to let their families in the bubble, too. But I guess the point is to limit contact with the outside world. So I'm letting fans in, that doesn't really change anything for me. But what about all the employees at the stadium? You're not being forced to go. You're not being forced to work there. Those, That's the those thing. employees are. It's their but job. You, yeah, it's a job. But you're it, it's I'm not sure today in today's day and age, especially now, given the guidelines, I don't think you're going to be able to say no. I don't want to go back to work. It, what's the point? Is it really worth it? Is the question. 
I don't think there's enough on either side to say that it is or not only inside the ballpark, you know, there's going to be transportation, you know, like buses and Ubers getting to the stadium, transporting fans to and from. What about bars outside the ballpark? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the new Ranger Stadium looks like, but as Cash said, there's restaurants outside the ballpark, just like any other stadium. Those are probably going to feel the pressure to open up. It's just inviting disaster when you don't need to. We're but all who, over, we're all point? over this, right? We're we're over the the whole quarantine. We're over not being able to go to sports games. It's all killing us, and we all know that. But at this point, with one series left, is it really worth letting people in for seven games? And Texas hasn't been, you know, the the most, you know, the gold standard for COVID prevention, either. I just don't understand at what point does – like, why does a league have to be making decisions for people to go to a game? Because the league has made that decision from the get-go that they weren't going to allow fans in the stadium. This is the same the thing MLB, as the playoff thing. The MLB is not allowing it. The NFL didn't take a stance on fans in the stadium. It's being left up to the states and the teams to work out with their state. That's why the Jaguars had fans in their stadium. That's why the Chiefs had fans in their stadiums, because their states allow it. The Eagles well, aren't going to have fans in their stadium because the state doesn't allow it, not because the NFL doesn't allow it. No, that, that part I understand. I guess where I'm, what I'm getting at is if you're – it's kind of something like what the UFC did when they first opened up, and they kind of were the gold standard to kind of creating a model of how to get back to actually having live sports. Like now they are having all their events at the UFC Apex, so they're not necessarily having fans there. They're having yeah, they limited haven't media had a fan at this there. point. Exactly. But that started to put the model in for these other sports to come back and to kind of follow. And now that the NFL is showing that we have what three weeks left to before the World Series are gonna happen, four weeks, whatever it is. It may be even longer. I don't know. But we're gonna see kind of the same thing with the UF or the NFL leading the charge here and showing that in these stadiums it's capable like you're capable of of running this. And I don't think it's really that big of a difference with a allowing people in for the World Series. I have a question. When the Yankees, if you can do it safely, I'm not saying let people go crazy. No, I get it. I get it. But I, a serious question, money question. If the Yankees host the World Series, that money's going to the Yankees, right? Yes. Not necessarily. I mean, in the stadium, the gate. Yeah, they the get gate. the gate. Probably. What? Whose money is this? Is this MLB or is this the Rangers? Probably the Rangers. No, it's probably the MLB. I would say it's. I the would MLB. assume it's the MLB. So, because in the Super Bowl, the Dolphins aren't getting gate for. So now, know, what you're gonna, Chiefs So play, now, right? this is. But they are because whoever owns the stadium is probably getting gate. They probably I, they probably get con- concessions out of that. They probably don't. Get also, it. owns the concessions. Expecting to have like a World Series week, like how Miami and the Super Bowl have their Super Bowl week. Are they expecting like this whole big party, or are they just are we just letting fans in? It's just an avalanche of thing of possibilities that could. Go but my wrong. question is now: MLB is telling their owners all season long, you cannot let fans in. We are not allowing it, and now it's their decision, and they're going to let fans in. And if the Yan- Yankees and Dodgers make the World Series, those are two diehard fan bases, and you know those fan bases are going to want to travel to Texas and you know book hotels and stay at restaurants and eat at places, and it, the entire city just becomes like this tourist attraction in the middle of a pandemic when that's not what we need right now as a society. I don't know. But, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Hopefully nothing bad happens, but that's the plan right now is for at least the world series to have fans. Um, I think they're still like, I think that they're still asking the California 
um, governor about whether or not to have playoff fans in. There's no way. There's absolutely not a shot. You're going to get fans in California. So moving on to the sale of the New York Mets. So the Wilpons sold the Mets to Steve Cohen, lifelong Mets fan. Um, His net worth is about 14 billion. And I read that that is like combined more than the next three owners so he he's loaded he has all the money in the world um so the well are out mets fans can rejoice and the, a lot of optimism since the sale um two billion and change for the mets cohen doesn't get sny which i thought was you know a little curious but you know mets under new ownership and in my the first thing that came to my mind when i saw that this was done was you know this winter i think steve cohen's going to go off in free agency what your initial like reaction to the sale of the New York Mets. We'll start with Scott since it's going to directly affect him because the Phillies are in the same division. I'm terrified that the Mets are going to steal JT Romuto away. Um, Just because the way negotiations have gone between him and the Phillies this year. Um, But you know what? In all in all, if the Phillies can keep JT Romuto, let Steve Cohen spend all the freaking money in the world that he wants. Because we've seen it backfire before. The Angels spent a lot of money a couple years ago on free agency, did not work. The Padres have done it a couple times. It hasn't worked. He can spend all the money he wants. Does that really change who the Mets are? They're they're still a team that falls apart when it matters the most, has had a history of just players getting injured all the time. So it's hard to predict, but – for me, the thing that just scares me the most is losing Real Muto, but I'll, I'll believe the Mets will change once I see it happen. I think it's a good thing for the Mets. I mean, I, I do too. Yeah, I agree. It's a good, it's a good change. But Yeah, I, no, I don't think there's many people out there that think it's a bad change, really, really. I mean, from what I've been reading, it's just one of those things, and I guess, and Scott touched on it also with kind of just throwing money and where does that lead you? I feel like when you're coming in and you're expected to be this guy kind of like, and this is probably a lame comparison for George Steinbrenner, but if you're comparing Steve Cohen to George Steinbrenner and kind of what you're supposed to be doing in New York and like the methods that these guys have to approach it as a big market team, I feel like when you have the deep pockets like Cohen has, you need to spend smart money, not necessarily go out and throw huge contracts at aging veterans but where that's an advantage to you is, and it seems kind of obvious, but I felt like it's just worth saying, it, it, it's going to allow you to dig a little deeper for the guys that you want to go after. And you might lose out that you otherwise, with the Wilpons, probably would have had a salary ceiling that they wouldn't budge over and they wouldn't be willing to go after these people. But with Steve Cohen, it's looking like that's no longer going to be kind of the, the mantra around, around the uh, Mets. And they're actually going to be able to go out and win these free agents. And it's going to be a desirable place to play because – it's just a fact that there's a bad aura around the Mets when the Wilpons in control and they're no longer there. So I think it's the ship's turning around for the Mets and I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm excited to see what happens. I don't hate the Mets as a Yankee fan. So I, I want to see them be able to do well. Like I don't, I don't know. There was a, there was a period of time a couple of years ago where I actually watched a fair bit of Mets games, probably more so than Yankee games. Um, not saying I'm a Mets fan, but, I don't know. I enjoy watching them do well. So I hope it flips around. I hate the Mets. I, I, I don't I don't like the Mets. I really don't. 
And I, I know Wait, Glenn doesn't like the Mets either. I hate the Mets. But there's no I rivalry think, there. I it's think fun to, of course there's a viral. Oh, of course there's a rivalry. Are you serious? I mean there is, but like it's not a it's not Tyler, nothing like a division Tyler, rivalry. Do you hate the Jets? No. Why would I hate the Jets? I have no reason to hate the Jets. That's a worse comparison, I feel like, than Yankees to Mets. The Jets never compete with the Giants, not in terms of not playing each other like face to face, but like in terms of, you know, success. like there's more of a, I definitely don't like the Mets. I, I I hate the Jets more than I hate the Mets. If that makes sense. You don't like the Mets more than you don't like the Jets. No. Other well, way around. Well, you tolerate the Jets more than you tolerate the no, Mets. No, other way around. Yes. No, what Glenn said. Yeah. I, I would rather tolerate the, the Jets than the Mets only because there's no, like, I don't know. There's no Subway Series in football. Like, what are the Jets? They're in the AFC. Every four years. It's, it's a preseason game once every four years, and it's usually so, boring for the last couple of years. Free agents that, you know, $14 billion Steve Cohen can go after this offseason. JT Ramuto, Scott's guy. It's George Springer in Houston. Marcus Semien, a guy like Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMahieu. Um, they could bring back Stroman, you know, obviously Paxton and Tanaka from the Yankees. I think the Mets are going to go crazy this, you know, this winter with free agents. I think Steve Cohen's going to want to make a splash immediately in his first, you know, offseason as the owner. But my question is, is he going to clean house? And by clean house, do I, I mean, is Brody out and is Luis Rojas out? Do you think Cohen should or will wipe the slate clean and get his own people in. Yes. And yes. Yeah. I would yeah. say probably start fresh Poor, like tough break for uh, Rojas, but um, just, That's just start, just start fresh. Like get, get your GM in there and then let that GM go get his coach or manager. And, and one of the names you mentioned there in Trevor Bauer, I, I think, I know you guys want Bauer on the Yankees, but, I could see him being a guy the Mets go after to pair with DeGrom. You throw a lot of money at him. Um, the Springer one would be interesting. To the center fielder now is Marisnik. Yeah. He's not someone who can swing it. No. Um, Marcelo Zuna is another guy who's having a, an awesome year in Atlanta um, who's going to be a free agent kind of similar to Cespedes in the sense where he's just a big bat, but not somebody who plays the field very well. Um, they're definitely going to spend it, it. There's no question about that. Um, it's whether or not they spend it on the right people. I think, you know, I think the doors open up for the Mets immensely now because what's been the problem with the Mets over the last, you know, 10 years is that the Wilpons, even though they have a New York team, they've been labeled and, you know, called cheap by, you know, basically everyone, and probably because it's true. They don't spend money, and as a New York team, that's probably not what you're supposed to do. What's the last time the Mets spent big on a free agent? Was it Jason Bay? Was it Francisco Rodriguez? Suspedes. Suspedes. And that's because, you know, the fan base forced them to spend on Suspedes. So I think they had to sign him. I think Cohen's going to go crazy. I think a guy to watch is, you know, a shortstop, Marcus Simeon. Do the Mets truly believe Rosario is the answer at shortstop? I don't really think they do. So is it going to spend big money on a shortstop? Why wouldn't you go indoor? I was just about to say that, Castro. Do the Mets make that ultimate splash? and pull off some sort of trade for Lindor and then sign him to a lengthy um, extension. If they want to grab the back pages, there's no better way to do it than get probably the best shortstop in baseball. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to give my opinion. I would love you to. It's a podcast. You're supposed to. Great. So my opinion is as follows. I think this is a good thing for the Mets. I do. Um, I think it's a good thing for all of baseball. 
Um, but I don't think it's going to be as quick of a turnaround as everyone thinks. I think you still need to build within. You still need a farm system. You still need to draft well. Um, you know, I don't think it's just going to be like sign a few guys and that's it. Because if that was the case, the Yankees would do that every year. Bottom line. You got to build think, from within a little but bit. I, but would you agree or disagree that the Mets have a pretty, like, pretty good core? Um, well, I mean, have the, obviously they not. They have the ace, DeGrom. They have, I mean, know, I mean the, farm the franchise system guy, Alonzo. Dominic farm. Smith has taken a big step forward this year. Conforto is the best player on that team. Conforto's a very good player. Outside of the group, sorry. You, you, sure, you sure up the bullpen, and then you get that big star, whether it be, you know, uh, Lindor or Correa or Semyon, or get a Bauer to just follow DeGrom and Syndergaard when Syndergaard gets healthy. I disagree. I think this could be a quick turnaround with competent ownership by the Mets. I'm getting a little afraid that we're kind of overplaying what this is actually going to be, and we're overhyping Steve Cohen. Because I know he's going to come and he's going to spend the money, but do we really like? I would be really, really surprised if he turns around and gives Bauer the contract that he's going to be looking for, as well as a guy like Lindor in the same year. Like I feel like that's just that's what I'm saying. If, he's he's a, if he just if he just signs Lindor, it would be Bauer this year, and then the next offseason would be Lindor because Lindor's not an a free agent this year. Still, but back to back, it could be Correa or Seager too. The, ne- the next year's free agent class is huge too. Is that did Arenado sign an extension? He did, right? No, but he can opt out. Or not yet. He can opt out. He, he can opt yeah, out at he, the end of this year. Or he next has. Year. I think he has an opt out. After, let me see. If the DH stays, then can the Mets be a player for a JD Martinez, or do you want to keep the DH because Alonzo? What do you believe if he's a first baseman? There's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts to the Mets now because now they're going to. Tyler's 100 percent right. Steve Cohen's not going to come in here and drop 600 million dollars off the bat. I mean. I think he's going to do something. Okay, but one pl- signing one player is not going to change the Mets' whole, you know, mantra. This is not an easy build. Like I said, if you could go out and you could buy a World Series, the Yankees would do it every year. But you can't do that. You need to draft. You need to. You need to have a farm system. You need to make good trades. You need. You need to build from within. I mean, if you look at some of the Yankees' best teams, it's all building from within. You, know, you got these guys like Jeter. Um, Posada, Mariano, Pettit. I mean, the core four, that's all draft picks. Um, yeah, you, you build with you build your core from within, and, and then you, you go out. Yeah. Right, you complement them with superstars. So I don't think the Mets make a big splash this year. And if they do, it's one guy. But they don't have the core that you need to go out and win a World Series next year. And Cohen's not going to drop $300 million on a free agent if he's not going to win. I disagree, though. I think they do have a chance, and they do have the core to go. I out mean, let's look at their core now. So they got the starting pitcher in Degrom, and yep. they got the the face of the franchise everyday position player in Alonso, and then they have Conforto in the outfield, and then you know J, uh, JD Davis, good player. Jeff McNeil is a very good player. Um, the the Mets aren't this dumpster fire you make them out to be. The only problem with the Mets is they, they don't win. It's because no, because their ownership doesn't compliment the guys that they bring yeah, but up if they're going to go out and make a well. trade then they're going to deplete their their farm system i don't think they make a trade i think it's going to be free agency but you have to also assume that they don't have the pro they don't have the prospects to get lindor through trade you need you, a free agent needs to agree to come right you can't just say okay i want him and he comes he needs to it needs it's a mutual agreement and i don't know who's going to be the first free agent to take a dive into steve cohen i don't know anything about steve cohen I know he's got a lot of money, 
But at the same time, the Mets don't have a good uh, recent history. So okay. I think that's let's play, come let's play this hypothetical. Okay. In. Let's play this hypothetical for a second. Scott, let's pretend that you're JT Romuto. Okay. And you're negotiating with the Phillies and the Phillies aren't giving you that contract you want. Highest paid catcher, blah, blah, blah. They're not, they're not giving you what you want. And then, you know, Steve Cohen comes around and says, Hey, we'll give you the contract that you want. You'll be the highest paid catcher ever. And you'll get to catch guys like, um, a DeGrom and a Syndergaard. And we're going to build an, an infield around you with Alonzo and an outfield with Conforto and J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty it, good sell. It's definitely enticing with – I mean, obviously I don't know exactly how negotiations have gone with the Phillies because I'm not in that room. But I can't imagine it's been great because if it was going well, they would have gotten something done. So I think – if he does get to free agency and Cohen comes calling and is willing to give him that money, I, he could easily jump ship and go play for the rival for multiple years. Um, I, I do think Cash does have a point, though, saying that Cohen doesn't have a track record yet. Mm-hmm. And the Mets' recent history since going to the World Series in 2015 has not been good. So who is that guy that takes that risk? Is it, is it a Trevor Bauer who doesn't really care? I, Trevor Bauer is great. He's an awesome pitcher. I don't think he really cares who he's pitching for or who his teammates are. I think Trevor Bauer cares about Trevor Bauer and the amount of money that he is having put in his pockets. So that's probably, in my opinion, that's a guy that might make that jump. But I, it'll be an interesting offseason. Just to loop back to Arenado, he signed an eight-year contract in 2000, going into the 2019 season uh, for $260 million, and he can opt out after next season. And okay. he's signed through 2026. That's a weird oh. contract. With an opt-out this early? Yeah, because I, I think he wanted to put the pressure on the Rockies to – to build something around him and prove to him that they could win. Yeah, and I like that. I don't know. I feel like Trevor Bauer makes the Mets an immediate contender. No That's matter what. a pretty good one-two with one-two-three with Syndergaard behind him. Syndergaard stays healthy. Yeah, if Syndergaard stays healthy, then you got a one-two-three, and then you could round out the rotation with Waka and Porcello if you want to keep. Waka is going to be wanna, a free agent after this year, or if you, you want to resign them, have. or if you want um, Lugo to be a rotation guy instead of a bullpen guy. I think that's his spot. I think you have to keep him there. He's pitched really, hurts really, the really well. Hurts the bullpen, though. Hurts the bullpen, though. Well, you go out and get guys like that. We yeah. went, they went out and, went and got Batanzas. Hopefully, Edwin, Edwin Diaz can figure it out, and that'll help them out. Um, Brad Brock, former All-Star. Um, Erasmo Ramirez used to be a big contributor for the Rays. Justin Wilson used to close games. Chase and Shreve, former Yankee. Whatever. He is who he is. But, like, these are guys that can throw. So oh, I think it's crazy. I, I, th- I think it's to be very interesting off season with the Steve Cohen Mets. I think it's another team finally that is going to be a threat to spend big money. Even if they don't, it, it it affects everyone because the Mets are going to be in those negotiations. Even though they might not get that free agent, they're going to definitely drive the price up on certain free agents for sure. Because you haven't had that Mets. It's always seemed to be the free agents. It's always been to be Yankees, Dodgers, Angels, Cubs in the mix. 
And then now you just add another team with a $14 billion owner willing to spend money or at least offer money. And then that's going to drive the prices up. So even if the Phillies keep Ramoto, it's probably going to be for a lot more than if the Wilpons were the owners of the Mets. So something to, something to think about as the season dwindles down and we go into the winter. But we'll go back to baseball on the field, and we're going to start with the Phillies and Marlins series because Scott can't be happy about what he saw from the Phillies over the weekend. Seven-game series, the Marlins took five of them. And now the Marlins, if the season ended today, would be in that second spot in the NL East. They'd be the five seed against the Padres. And the Phillies have dropped to that seven seed, and they would face either the Cubs or the Braves. And that's how it's looking at. I think the Cubs and Braves are tied record-wise. Um, I think it would be the Cubs based on tiebreakers if the yes. season ended today. But, Scott, can't, can't be happy about what you saw down in Miami. Oh, it was absolutely brutal. I, I would have been happy if they took four out of seven even if they went three three out of seven. But to lose five out of seven um, was just awful. Um, the two wins were blowouts, which were great. But Were both wins seven inning games? Uh, no, they lost. One win was a seven inning game, um, and the other was a nine inning game. Um, and, and not just the losing, but they potentially lost Reese Hoskins for the year who might need Tommy John surgery now. Um, that could his, be a part of next year too. On his left elbow. So it's not as bad, but still Tommy John's Tommy John. Um, JT Romuto now has a hip strain. He's not on the DL, um, but he's not hurting. And we all can laugh at Zach Wheeler for falling down while putting on his pants and, ripping his fingernail off, um, which isn't good. You can take a man off the Mets, but you can't take the Mets out of a man. But And then they got it absolutely That was actually funny. I didn't want to laugh at that because you said it, but it was funny. Why don't you ever just give me credit? Why can't you just just say credit? I just said that was a really funny joke. I just did. I said it was funny. Scott, go ahead. And then to get absolutely dominated by Sixto Sanchez makes it so much worse because – he was a Philly prospect, um, obviously given up for JT Romuto. So now that Sanchez has proven how good he is, if the Phillies lose Real Muto and Sanchez dominates them for the next decade, makes it so much worse. It was just an awful, awful weekend in Miami. I, I had a feeling just because they have no way, idea how to beat the Marlins, which sucks. I just I, I'm so like looking down, like feeling bad about the Phillies moving forwards. Like they're gonna make the postseason, but like what's really the point? Like they're just well, gonna let me show- ask you this, and I asked you this this afternoon, and we'll do it on the show. Do you think that it's a blessing in disguise to get the seventh seed instead of facing Padres in the wild card series? Because the Padres are hot probably the hottest team in baseball all year. And then you play a team, let's say it's the Braves that overtake the Cubs for that second spot. That I feel like the Braves would be an easier matchup than the Padres would be. And you could make the argument for the Cubs as well. I think you're right in that, where it's a better matchup on paper, um, especially since they know the Braves well and the Braves have their fair share of injuries as well. I'd certainly like to face the Cubs. They don't really Braves are 28 and 20. I'm in a good year. Yeah, but they're 
still a familiar face, and the Phillies play them pretty well. But Max Freed is on the IL right now. Acuna got hurt again, right? And Acuna is playing right now. He did have a foot issue. I think they got lucky with it. But they're, they're without Soroka, their pitching staff outside of Max Freed has been terrible. And yeah, if, they, they're a high power offense. That's why they're getting by right now. Yeah, they they hit, which yeah, that that's great. But you're gonna have to pitch in the postseason at some point. We saw it last year in the postseason. But so here's my question: Are they you more pitch. afraid of Are you more afraid of bats with a bad bullpen like the Phillies have? I mean, the Braves don't pitch either, so it can just we saw it. The they had a 12-11 game where they the Phillies they lost unfortunately, but they went down 10 nothing and they came back. Right. Like both teams are bad at pitching. They've played pretty evenly. So that's why it's a better matchup on paper, but with the way that the Phillies are trending, I, I would probably pick the Braves to win that series. I'd probably be pick the Cubs to win that series, but I think the Phillies have a better chance against those teams than the Padres do. Well, luckily, the Phillies are beating the Mets at this point. So yes, that is a positive. That's good for you. How many games down are they from the Marlins? It's only, it's only like a game and a half, half game. All right, so it's not over. No, se. it's not over. But uh, are the Braves out of reach? Are the Braves going to win the division? Most likely. Yeah. So, so it's not over, but it wasn't. But let me ask you this, Scott: Was it the Phillies playing bad, or do we? actually you know give marlins credit for you know maybe being a good team i think you give the marlins a little bit of credit but this is the hit the phillies history against the marlins like it's every year it doesn't matter how good the phillies are they they struggle against them i don't know what it is but the marlins play well against the phillies um but long term or 162 game season are the marlins going to be a team that is three games above 500 all year long? Are they going to be a team that dips back towards the median? Like is, is Miguel Rojas going to hit 370 over a full season? Is Jesus Aguilar going to hit 295 over a 162 game season? Probably not. So they're fun. And in this super weird season, yeah. Good for them putting it together, especially with what happened to them at the start of the year um, with their COVID outbreak. And they, they've kind of banded together as a team and have played pretty well, but I don't think they're a legitimate threat moving forwards. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's definitely a good story. And, you know, I think even though the Phillies had a bad weekend, I think it can still help them. I think getting the seven seed would probably be even more beneficial than getting the four seed and playing the Padres. I wouldn't want to play the Padres if I was the Dodgers, to be honest with you, because, you know, they took it to the Dodgers yesterday and Dave Roberts had some things to say. And we feel, I feel like we have this conversation every month about, you know, people not learning that this is the way baseball is now. So there's a, who is the player? It's just Craig Grisham. So Grisham hits a home run off Kershaw, pimps it, stares down the dugouts, yells at the Dodgers dugout going around third base, comes to the end of the game, post-game, and Dave Roberts says, basically, I'm all for the fun. I'm all for, you know, letting the kids play and the bat flips and all that, but you can't do it against Kershaw because, you know, 
Kershaw is one of the best players, you know, of all time. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, there's like a, there's a echelon of when you hit some, a home run off a certain person, you can't, you know, celebrate. I mean, how, who is Clayton Kershaw? I mean, he chokes in the postseason every year. I think the Dodgers should be, and Dave Roberts should be more worried about that than someone oh, well, and hurting his feelings. I think that's I mean, absurd. That's a bad take. I mean, Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers in our generation, if not no, the best. No, I'm not saying he's not, but if However, you're a hitter, if wouldn't it be kind of, isn't it like make more sense to pimp one after you hit a home run against someone who's the greatest at yes. one of the greatest lefties of all time than some scrub triple A player making his major league debut? Why Absolutely. are we protecting Clayton Kershaw's feelings? See that, that I guess that kind of toes the line about about it being disrespectful and it being fun. Like, if Dave Roberts is saying he's having fun, but then you're also considering that the the respect you have to have for Kershaw, it's not a maneuver to disrespect Clayton Kershaw. It's just having fun out there, and that's why I don't think there's a problem with it. I, I have a question. Why is there a line between disrespect and fun? Well, it's just the way that's drawn out with this. So no, here, my question celebratory is so conversation. The reason I ask that is if you look at the NBA playoffs, right? You had a guy like Kyle Lowry telling Paul George. Or no, Damian Lillard told Paul George and Lou Will what room number he was in so they could fight after the game. Hmm. So my point is, what's said on the field or on the court doesn't necessarily mean that it's disrespect. It's the emotion of the game. So if you're going to have a home run like that, pimp it. Ride a horse around the bases. I don't care. Do, some, do cartwheels around third base. Have fun with it. This is why younger people don't like watching Major League Baseball because of people like Dave Roberts who are telling us that we can't have fun, we can't do this, we can't do that. Stop with the rules. Play the game and don't get hit, don't let up home runs and you won't get pimped. But it's not like Grisham hit the home run, stared down Kershaw and said, hey, bitch-ass white boy like we saw in the NBA a few weeks ago. He hit home run and he looked at it. Yeah, I, a- absolutely. I, I, if you hit the home run, especially off of a Kershaw, and you immediately turn to your bench to celebrate with your teammates, zero reason for anybody to get worked up. Like you said, if Trent Grisham hits that home run, points at Clayton Kershaw and starts jawing at him, yeah, there's an issue maybe. But he celebrated with his teammates in in a huge moment for that team. They're now... The Padres are a game and a half back of the Dodgers for the division lead. I think that's the problem. I don't think Dave Roberts really cares about if Kershaw feelings were hurt. I think the Dodgers are a little scared at this point because oh, absolutely. in the last 10 years, nobody's ever been this close to them. And I think they're feeling a little bit of pressure. I think they've never felt this ter- time, this type of, you know, competitiveness coming out of their division before. And I think the Padres have basically knocked them on their ass and they have no idea what happened. Absolutely. And did, did Dave Roberts say anything last year when Max Muncy told Madison Bumgarner to go fish it out, the, out of the water? Yeah. water? Yeah. Like, Dave Roberts said nothing there. He probably went in and patted Max Muncy on the back after that. Bumgarner deserves as much respect from a, a batter as just about anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. So, I agree a thousand percent. For sure. It, it, it's an absolute joke of what, what Dave Roberts said. Um. Yeah, I don't. It, it, Kershaw's feelings. Uh, and and also, I, I, 
Also, why are we doing this through the media in press conferences? If you don't like what he did, next game, throw behind him. Like, that's how baseball works. I mean, they're trying to get that out of the game, but I'm pretty sure Kershaw even came out and said, good for him. I don't care. Like, and I feel like that's the moniker of most pitchers is like, I gave up a home run. Like, if I strike you out, I'm going to do the same thing. Like, that's what baseball should be. As Cash said, kids don't want to watch baseball because there's all these unwritten rules. There's no fun allowed. Like, big home run in September. Celebrate all you want. Good for you, Trent Grisham. Tyler, do you have any uh, last thoughts on the Dodger Padre situation? No, not really. I just think it's a little scare tactic by Dave Roberts to kind of dampen the fun in San Diego. That's about it. I don't think he really takes much exception to it because, like Scott said, he didn't speak out on it or at least publicly speak out on it when Max Muncy did it. So it can't really bother you that much unless you're just getting emotional that your so-called ace got taken deep lefty on lefty and you pimped it, and that's it. So, moving on to the Yankees. Cash, you weren't here last week, and we absolutely destroyed them. And ever since, they've been great. They've won five in a row. They're beating up on the Blue Jays today. So, I think we, the three of us, should take full responsibility for this turnaround, if, if you ask me. Um, Stan's back today. Judge will be back by the Boston series. And all of a sudden, this team is, you know, rounding into form. By the time playoffs come, everyone minus James Paxton, who looks like he's done for, for the season, uh, their starting pitching has been fantastic. Their bullpen hasn't allowed a run, and they've gotten big hits. It's amazing what you know a week can do, because the Yankees were really, really bad for a moment, and they seems like they've uh, they're about to turn the corner. So, thoughts on the Yankees this week, putting Baltimore to bed and trying to overtake Toronto for the second spot in the East. So, let me say that I did listen to the episode last week, and I apologize okay. that I wasn't able to be on. Uh, you know, one of How my best. John Bay? What? John Bay? How how's he doing? I don't know what that means. Oh, my God. The Outer Banks cast. Oh, I didn't watch that show. Um, <laughs> you lived you mean, it. You, you weren't, you weren't filming season two with them? That's what we That's heard. That's what we said. Uh, yeah, I heard. Uh, no, I wasn't. But um, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, so, yeah. So, I think there's – I can't decide which way to lean here. Um, you know, when I was listening to the episode on the way home from North Carolina um, – I, I thought to myself that guys are being a little harsh because it's a 60-game season and the Yankees have had stretches in a World Series year where you know, they went 30-30 and 30 over a 60-game span, um, which isn't ideal, um, but it is what it is. And then, you know, my other, my other thought process is, you know, they had a great week, but they beat up on the Orioles and they're beating up on the Blue Jays. You know, what's going to happen when they go back and play Tampa in the playoffs? Are they going to be able to sustain it? Are they going to be able to play well? I mean, Garrett Cole looked great his last outing, but it was against the Orioles in a seven-inning game. Mm-hmm. But you do know. you play the people on your schedule. Of course. No, I'm not saying that you can control that, but I'm just saying that are the Yankees really back or are they playing a soft part of their schedule? I, don't I mean, they, were losing, they were losing to the same teams. They lost two out of three to Toronto, and they lost three out of four to Baltimore. That's fair. That's fair. So I feel like this four game set, I feel like the Yankees really, I guess, I guess found their niche. I don't know. I don't know. It just, turns, like I said, like, I mean, doing a 60 game, it's hard. It's so, you don't know. I just, they just seem the to be, they seem to be playing season. a crisper brand of baseball. Like they're not blowing leads. The ballman knock on wood, not blowing leads. They're getting great starting pitching. Their defense has been better. 
Um, guys like Ottavino, who were a disaster in that one Toronto game where they gave up 10 runs in the sixth inning, he's been much better. Um, I, I agree with you. Like, show me when it's time. Like, for, the la- for their entire, like, history, the only thing people care about when it comes to the Yankees is what happens in October. And there's still things that they need to work out. Sanchez, there's going to be a serious conversation whether or not you'd start him in playoff games. Um, that's that's the problem they need to they need to discuss. Um, obviously, with this new playoff schedule, you have to talk about our Judge and Stanton going to be built up to play five, six, seven consecutive games. Is Torres' quad okay? Kind of like, you know, th- there's definitely still problems with the Yankees, but Tyler, you have to be encouraged by what we've seen the last six games. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's not necessarily a matter of finding your stride or having an easy schedule. I just think it's more so the ups and downs of a normal season. If you look at their like if you look at some stretches from past years when you had a full season, I'm sure you can find plenty of stretches where the Yankees are 26 and 21 over the course of 47 games. It's not like I don't think it's really out of the question like yeah, it was a bad losing skid, but it, this is the team that we're expecting. I mean, they're up 17 to 3 on the Blue Jays as we're recording this. Luke Voigt just went deep. Again, I must say again. his foot does not look good. It looks like he's favoring it. And I'm going to knock on wood on this one, but I don't think he's a guy that's coming out of the lineup. But, yeah, I don't know. It looks a little tricky running around. I think around, he could uh, be the MVP of the league, to be honest. I, with yeah, without a doubt. I agree. No argument from you there. You know, Scott, from the outside, the Yankees completely night and day for the last week. Yeah, a huge difference for him. I, I think it really comes down to confidence, just, you know, kind of feeling better about yourselves again especially bullpen pieces, getting people out, you know, seeing that you can get guys out, even if it, especially, especially when it's playing the same teams that you just got destroyed by to then come back a week later and be like, Oh, I can get this guy out. I like when the more important games come, they're feeling good about themselves again, not limping into the postseason. Getting Stanton back is huge. Getting uh, Urshela back is huge. Um, just waiting on Judge and Hicks is back, right? Yeah, Hicks is so back. So you're really just waiting on Judge now. And if he can come back with a week to spare before the postseason, get him a few at-bats, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourselves again. I think um, the most important thing that happened this weekend was the cold start. I think even though it was just seven games, you know, a seven inning shutout is a seven inning shutout. And we haven't really seen that kind of performance from Cole all year. And that's what we signed him to do. So I think in that first game against Baltimore, after everyone's talking about how the sky is falling, right. And how, you know, they might not even make the playoffs. They might not finish 500 for Cole to go out there and shove for seven innings and kind of make a statement and restore order. I think the rest of the team was able to relax and I think that's what an ace is supposed to do, to be that stopper. And ever since then, the Yankees have rolled. So I think Cole performed the way that, you know, his contract is telling him to perform. And I think that was the most important game of the weekend. Yeah, that, that was a big start for him. I think one of the, the big stat takeaways from that start is that 26 swinging strikes. So mm-hmm. that shows that his fastball was, was moving, um, getting up there. That means his slider... He throws a changeup as well, right? So the, like, I think that that was huge. That getting those pitches past those guys on on swings is big. Um, yeah, he hasn't been the same guy as he was last year, but 
who has? No one's yeah. really been the same. It hasn't been consistent for anybody. So that last start for him was huge. Um, it gets him, as I said, trending in the right direction for the postseason when it matters the most. That's why he's, so, that's why he's in pinstripes. So that pretty much did it for the Orioles. That pretty much wrapped it up for the Yankees that they will be in the playoffs. The only you know, thing to take care of now is whether it will be the, like, the fourth or fifth seed where it looks like they'll face off against the Twins, which we all know what history says about that, or if they'll be the two seed and, or the seven seed, I'm sorry, and play either the Rays or the Athletics or White Sox, however that works out. So the Yankees have this game against Toronto, which is 17-3 to in the seventh, so like, assuming they'll hold on. They'll have two more against Toronto three in Boston, and then four back in Buffalo against Toronto, and then they'll end up with three against Miami. So it's a, it's a pretty light schedule the rest of the way. Those Toronto games are going to be huge. Um, so we'll see what happens in terms of seeding for everyone, including the Yankees and Phillies. So we're going to move on to our winners and losers of the week. Best segment. Uh, start with Tyler. Winners and losers. All right. Do you have uh, winners- one? Because you were sleeping. Yeah, we nah, it took me like 15 minutes into the episode to really snap out of it, but I think I'm good now. Um, my winner of the week is going to, well, I guess winners, collective group of people are going to be Mets fans around the world. Um, I think that this is a good time for them. Um, I think that, I mean, we touched on it with the Steve Cohen uh, sale of the Mets or purchase of the Mets. Yeah, I think that it's just really going to begin to turn around for the Mets, and I think that's it. Um, and as for my losers are going to be the collective Houston Astros because they are below 500 again. And I really enjoy watching them lose. And that's it. Not much more to it. Pretty Had simple. A nice comeback against the Dodgers on Saturday. Yeah. Down three in the ninth. Jensen blow it. I think that's going to be a problem for the Dodgers moving forward with Jensen. Uh, I don't trust him at all. I'll um, do like an And then they got winner. killed on Sunday night baseball. So. I'll do another honorary winner. The people that flew, flew the signs over the Astros-Dodger game, those are great. Absolutely great. Did you great. see that, you know, after Saturday's game, they came, they came in on a bus and they just got, you know, heckled by fans? That on Did Sunday, they? they had like a decoy bus come in that had nobody in there, and then they went through a side entrance. That's so funny. They didn't want to deal with it. doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Are you serious? They are so scared. That they is the softest thing I ever heard. What, are they, they going to tip s- over the bus and kill you? Like, what are they going to do? You can't handle a little bit of shouting they are so scared god all right scott winners and losers uh so my winner is somebody that we mentioned uh before in trent grisham not just for the home run but great turnaround for this kid this year he was scapegoated last year in milwaukee for letting the ball get past him um in that wild card game the nationals went on to win the world series he's had an awesome year for the padres uh, he's hitting 270 with nine homers and like I think close to 30 RBIs. Just a, a great turnaround for him. This easy, that play last year easily could have derailed his kind of psyche. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm proud of him and happy for him that he has had a good year in San Diego. Um, my loser has to be not just the Phillies but the Phillies bullpen and specifically the three pitchers that they went and acquired in Brandon Workman. Keith Hembry and David Phelps. They've all been terrible since they were acquired, um, giving up home runs left and right. Um, just just awful. So they're they're my losers because they're they're costing the Phillies a season here. So all right, Cash, what do you got here? Winners and losers. Uh, my winners of the week, 
is going to be my Sussex County Miners finishing the season in first place for the third straight season. So congratulations to them. Um, they won the regular season for three straight years. So uh, nobody talks about that, but it's a huge accomplishment. Uh, my loser of the week is Dave Roberts. Soft as Charmin. So guy's a loser. All right. Good. My winner will be Alec Mills of the Cubs. Had a no-hitter against the Brewers. Um, didn't get to like go in depth about it, but good for him. Great job. I don't have a stat line in front of me, which I probably should. He he was a, a another no for him. Former college walk on, so just a guy Ooh. who guy who wasn't. You really... love those stories. Those yeah. stories are the best. Like those Jim Abbott stories. I love those. Yeah, a guy who really isn't supposed to be where he is. Um, mm-hmm. So I can quickly pull up his game log, and then, and I'll give my loser. My loser is going to be MLB for this um, alcohol policy. So you can't have champagne celebrations. Uh, these are adults. I mean, let's. Let, I feel like we're forgetting that these are adults, and they can make adult decisions. What are we? They gonna throw Pepsi on each other? I just. I. I don't see how, you know, champagne and beer, attracts COVID more than Pepsi would. It, it neither would. I. I. I'm scratching my head. I don't understand, the um, the justification for that. If anyone could explain that to me, I would greatly appreciate it. No explanation whatsoever. No. Okay. It, it, I think it's pretty stupid. Like, especially World Series. Like, what's the issue? Like, season's over. Are there like, going to be dog piles? They're going home. They're not supposed to, but like after but the you G- win the World Series. Yeah, but like after the Giolito no hitter and after Mills is no hitter, like they celebrated on the field. Um, so going back to Mills's stat line, uh, obviously nine innings, uh, three walks, six strike or five strikeouts. Um, 10 ground balls and 11 fly balls. So he, it's even more impressive because he did it by pitching a contact um, to throw no hitter. So, so good for him. So those are my winners, losers guys, before we wrap it up, any final thoughts or forever hold your peace. Good on my end. All set. All set. Uh, Oh yeah. Real quick. I wasn't here last week, so I didn't get a chance to say it on the podcast, but I want to thank Cito again for coming on. Um, and just give him a quick shout out. He won the, the batting title for the league this season. So that's perfect. Wonderful. Um, thank you. Friend again, of the Cito. show. Yes. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. So uh, thank you again, Cito and uh, best of luck. All right. Yeah. Ditto. Completely agree with cash. Um, that'll just about do it for this episode of base hit ball Four. tune in next week as we drop episodes every Wednesday and make sure you check out all the other content on the caps on sports network. For Tyler Blumenstick, Alex Cashman, and Scott Roswald, my name is Glenn Negris. Have a great rest of your week.